So as I mentioned, the series is called Lost and Found. That's because it's about three parables, or it's around three parables that Jesus gave about items that were lost and found. Last week, we looked at the lost coin and the lost sheep and how much rejoicing there is when they're found. Today, we're going to turn into uh, the prodigal son, which is one of Jesus' most beautiful parables. This past summer, my wife and I had uh, an amazing opportunity to go to Maui for our 20-year wedding anniversary. Thankfully, our nephew decided to get married in Maui, so that gave us a reason to go there. And we were like, you know what? This is our 20-year anniversary. We're going to do it right. So we went to Maui, and we had an awesome time. Um, I took a couple of these pictures on a walk. This is, we were on this like really rocky kind of a walking area. We weren't like going swimming or anything. It was more just taking a walk. You actually can't go swimming here. If you went swimming, you'd die. But um, I took that picture and then I took this next picture. Um, It's kind of more like we came across this cool little beach. And this is one of the funny moments on our trip because um, something funny happened. So we, (laughs) and I'm about to tell you, we, uh, like, like a lot of you, for whatever reason, before the trip, our phones like, had no space. We couldn't even take a picture to save ourselves. So we said, we're getting new phones for this trip because we want to be able to take pictures, and lots of them. So I had my new iPhone, and I was snapping away. And then I decided to give Libby my phone for a second, like one second. And before this trip, I had said a prayer. I was like, dear Lord, This was an honest prayer, no joke. I was like, dear Lord, please help us not to get in any fights on our 20-year anniversary trip. You know how lame some of us are. Like, we can be in the airport fighting over luggage, and we haven't even started this trip, right? That was my prayer going in. And so I gave her my phone, and um, we decided, you know what? We could wait in here. We might die if we go swimming, but we can at least wait in a little bit. So we waited in. And then just we picked up some stones and she bent over and there went my iPhone, my brand new iPhone right into the ocean. So we went into recovery mode. There were some people behind us and I'll never forget this. Have you ever seen anyone drop their phone in water? If you have, you know what it feels like. You're like, whoa. And like all of a sudden it becomes the center point of everything that's happening. So we just centered in on that and I just started putting my hands into the ocean and I grabbed it, and out came my phone. I got my phone. It had a leather case on it, ironically. But I found my phone, and I, I remarked just in the moment that um, something that I had you know, thought about, got ahead of time, and then it was gone in the ocean. And then seconds later, when I found it, I had this joy. Like, I had just rediscovered my phone out of the ocean, And then the thing spent the rest of the trip in a bag of rice. Um, Some of the buttons still don't work, like I can't turn the screen on. But somehow I've navigated since then, and it's fine. Um, But that was the last picture I took (laughs) with my iPhone. Yeah, it's true. And and it, it just made me think, you know, how much joy we have when we find something, even inanimate, like a phone. And last week we saw the joy that Jesus used in the parable, that when you find a coin, there's such joy. And he he likened that to the lost being found. 
But this week, we're going to enter into the prodigal son. It's in Luke chapter 15, as I mentioned. And in this story, the prodigal gets lost. He's not an inanimate object like a phone. He's not like a coin. He actually has feelings, and he makes bad decisions. He runs away from God, and we're going to look at that. How did he run away from God? How did he get lost? He got lost, you know, like, get lost, and he got lost. And um, so this is the prodigal. The prodigal, the word, actually, you may not know this, the word prodigal means extravagantly reckless. Someone who has this extravagance to him, but also a reckless nature. So it's fun to be around a prodigal for like a day or a season because eventually their extravagance runs out because it's reckless. It's short-sighted. So a prodigal, he's going to be the greatest person to be around for a season, and then he's going to lose it all. And that's what happens to this prodigal son. We're in Luke chapter 15, and it has the same setting that we had from last week. You can see it there in the first verse. The tax collectors and the sinners were drawing near to hear what Jesus had to say. And the Pharisees and scribes, they grumbled and said, who is this man? He receives sinners, even eats with them. Jesus is hosting the sinners and the tax collectors. And the Pharisees grumble and they're like, who is this guy that would associate in such a way? And all throughout the gospels, we see this phrase over and over again, that the sinners drew near to Jesus. It was one of the most profound things about his ministry, that they actually wanted to know what he had to say. And the religious looked around and and noticed that and criticized it. So Jesus told them these stories as a response. So we're in the parable of the prodigal son, beginning in verse 11. This week, we're going to be listening from the perspective of the younger son. Next week, we're going to look at the elder brother And last week, the household, the father. So as you listen today, listen with ears for the prodigal. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had And he took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a a severe famine arose in the country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. No one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, 
Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him? And he said to him, Son, you are always with me. All that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead. And is alive, he was lost and is found. This parable sits alongside the Good Samaritan as um, Jesus' longest of parables. And it's intricate, it's got a lot of details. Parables are interesting, they're stories that um, have an illustration or a teaching to um, create a picture, a short story to make a point. And When there's lots of details in a parable, we should pay attention to them, but we should also pay attention to them in a way that um, really clarifies the main point. And Jesus is taking two simple parables, and he's following it up with a complex parable. So we're going to meditate upon it the next three weeks. I want to challenge you and encourage you, read this daily. Um, Allow it to lead you to other places in Scripture. Spend the next three weeks just taking this in and, and devouring it and meditating upon it and seeing what the Lord might show you through this story. The parable is written, uh, it's pretty well accepted that the Father represents God or Jesus. Very few question that. The younger brother at some level re- represents the sinners who are drawing near to Jesus. And the elder brother probably represents the Pharisees. That's the most simple way to think about it. We'll get into more of that in the coming weeks. But this parable, I mean, it's, it's been painted. It's been in um, plays. It's been in songs. It's captivated the world for years because it's such a beautiful story. So we're going to be thinking just very briefly about the running away aspect of the prodigal. Embedded in the prodigal is, he, for whatever reason, he can just, with ease, he can squander his father's uh, property in a very brief time. And you don't, you know, in the, in the reading of it, you don't get the sense that he's really struggling about this. 
I mean, he just goes, asks for it, and then he goes off. He runs off. I saw a video on Facebook this past week of a toddler running off on a video. And it, it wasn't like running off like the prodigal ran off to like some far land. He was just running down a path. And it was cute because it's a toddler running. Um, toddlers, when they run the first time, I mean, it's the best. There's, there's really little better than watching a toddler run off for the first time. They're just finding their feet. There's a haphazard nature to where they're going. They're not thinking about the destination. They're just running. And they're like, I can't believe it. I can run. <laughs> and then they go for it. And as a parent, you're watching, and it's one of the best things you've ever seen for about 15 seconds. Because they get from here, you know, over there, 15 seconds away, and then your joy, your inner joy just gets evaporated with a concern. Now you're concerned because your little toddler, he can't even navigate steps yet. Like little flat boards that we put on a hill, he can't even go up steps or down steps without crashing and burning. And he's run away. So, you know, f- 15 seconds later, you awaken to this reality and you run after him because you can still catch him by then. And um, that's the beauty of a toddler running. I think the prodigal's running off is a little bit toddler-esque in the sense that it's, um, it's short-sighted. He just, he has no clue. He's like a toddler running off. And if we think about the father as God and the prodigal as us running away from God, we've all done it. We've all done it in different ways. In fact, we're, we're worse than a toddler because at some level we know better. You know, think about all the decision points you've made in your life, especially the bad ones. You pretty much knew better. You just did it anyway, you know, at some level. That was true. And um, so we're worse than a toddler, but there is this toddler-esque sense in our reckless, short-sighted nature when we run from God. And that's how the prodigal runs. And with that running, he has an ease of squandering. In the verses, he does all these actions. He asks his father for his property. Um, This, uh, for the most part, it's well accepted that this was inappropriate. Anytime in culture, anywhere in the world, if you ask your parents for your inheritance before they die, and you say, I'm going to liquidate it, I'm going to run off and spend it, that's pretty much a given that that is um, a lack of respect for the household. It's short-sighted. But this is what he does. And the father gives it to him. The father says, okay, here's your share. And it says that he, he took it all to himself and he ran off to a far country. And the country isn't even named because it's a far country only because it's far from the center point of the household or the father. So it's, the country is never named, but it's this far distant place, this territory that's outside of the household. And that's where he goes. He runs off, he journeys to a far country, and he squanders everything in reckless living. And we too have done this in our own lives. The prophets have anticipated this for us. The prophet Jeremiah said that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Isaiah prophesied that we all, like sheep, have gone astray, each of us to our own way. And this is the way we run. You know, we run away from God. 
If you haven't felt that in your own life, you probably should think about it a little bit more. Maybe you're not old enough for that, the weight of that to set in yet. But it, we all run um, from different ways, in different ways. And then, like I said, with ease, he squanders everything. Everything that his father worked so hard for is gone. And it feels like seconds. It's just gone. And then this severe famine comes along from outside. This outside pressure comes in, this external force on him. And he decides to make a deal with a citizen in the land. It says that he attaches himself to a farmer of pigs. And this citizen of this far country that he attaches himself sends him out into the field to feed the pigs. And this is where it's good to remind ourselves of the story. The Pharisees are listening, and they know more than anything that um, if you're a good Pharisee, uh, a good follower of God in that culture, that you stay as far away as possible from um, swine or pigs because they were seen as unclean. And it just hadn't been embedded to them that, no, you do not associate with this unclean environment because it represents everything that's evil. And we are set apart. We are different because we are holy. We are set apart. And this is one of the ways that we are reminded of that. Um, in the land of irony, I was uh, studying this past week and I'd gotten a bacon, egg, and cheese egg wrap from Wawa. Um, and I was internalizing this scripture as I you know, read it and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, the Pharisees, they would hate the swine. <laughs> so then I had to like, tear off the bacon from my um, wrap and just toss it aside. And I, I can't say that I will never eat bacon again. I can't make that promise. But it was a reminder to me in the moment just how connected the physical and the spiritual are in our lives. Um, you know, I drop my phone in the water. I'm like, Lord, why did this happen? And then I find it. I'm like, thank you, God. I found my phone. You know, we, we connect the physical and the spiritual all the time in the good, the bad, and in, in the middle. So the Pharisees would have just, you know, at this point in the story, they would have said, this prodigal is done. He is out. He is more than out. He is wishing to eat the pods that the pigs are eating. And... And then the story turns. He makes this return home. I think this is the, one of the most beautiful turning points in all of Scripture. It's, it, this story may not captivate every little piece of someone turning back to God, every little aspect of atonement or repentance, but it does have this awakening. In fact, look at verse 17. It says he came to himself. He had this longing to be fed the way the pigs were being fed. And he came to himself and his logic, I think his own logic said, you know what? My own father's servants eat better than this. I have nothing here. I'm going to die. I'm going to go back to my father and I'm going to acknowledge that, yeah, I have sinned against him, his whole household, but he'll have me back, maybe as a servant. So this is what he does. But the fact that he came to himself is, is worth noting. And, and he has this, it says that he has this longing, this longing to be filled and to be fed. And 
he has this earthly comparison, like, these pigs are eating better than I am. And they're like filthy. They're swine. And it's in that moment that he remembers, he remembers when he was a boy that he would go out just running around at night because he was a prodigal. I mean, this is what prodigals do. He went out recklessly one night and, and there was a fire and his father's servants were around it and they were just like passing bread around and ha- having laughter. And, and then he just felt it. He felt it deep within that there was this burning in his heart. And he remembers his father's kindness that's associated with the household. So he, he makes this deal and he wonders, could there uh, possibly be a place for me in my father's household as a servant? And that's what he does. He said, look at in verse 18. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And this is what he does. He goes. But we should note that um, it's really interesting how the actual, the exact quote uh, repeats itself. Almost. So in verse 18, he says, I will rise and go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And then he does it. He rises up. Logic, I think, leads him here. He goes to his father. He says the same thing, word for word. But um, he says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Before he can even say, like, treat me as a servant. Um, the father looks to the side and accepts him as a son. It's a beautiful picture of a return, something that was lost and now is found. And the prodigals, you know, are, um, really they, they probably, from the Pharisees' perspective, should not have been welcomed back. I mean, they, they squandered this inheritance they squandered the property that was divided among them. And um, we're going to look at the elder brother next week in more detail. But I want to, um, in closing, I want to just set this alongside Galatians chapter 4. It's on the screen there. And as, we, as I read this over you, I want to remind you that as prodigals, we have been extravagant in our recklessness as sinners. Um, and yet, I, I hope and pray that each one of you have found those places where you have come to yourself and woken up. And maybe even logic led you part way back to God. Um, but he's receiving you differently than maybe some of the ways that you might think he might receive you as a sinner that has gone astray. Listen to this in relation to and set, set alongside the story of the prodigal son. This is from Galatians chapter 4. What I am saying is that as long as an heir is under age, he is no different than a slave, although he owns the whole estate. 
The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of this world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. You see, a a servant in a household does what they're told. And we should certainly see ourselves as servants of Christ, without a doubt. And we should be obedient to what he calls us to. But there's an extra thing that we've been invited into, and that's um, being adopted as the children of God. And that's what Jesus is communicating in this parable to the Pharisees. And it's amazing that um, he can, with such joy, express such a deep truth that those who are far from God can be brought near and treated as sons and daughters in the household. It's amazing that this is the kind of father that we have that will allow us to turn and come back and see us as his children through Jesus. It's a miracle. And my concern is that some of us continue to live as servants because it's, it's easier to live as a servant. It, you just do what you're told. But he's invited us to steward his household, to take care of it. And uh, it's a beautiful picture of how we as prodigals have very, um, in deserving ways, run away from God's household. And in very undeserving ways, he's welcomed us back in. So um, I want to invite the worship team to come. We're going to close in a song. And this song is, uh, the Women in Campus has actually been doing this song. So it's cool. A lot of our our songs are coming from the Wilmington campus at certain times. But this is one that I don't think we've done here yet, but it it captures a lot of the language of this parable and the principle that um, how we run back is different than how we run away. So allow me to pray for us as we uh, turn to the Lord now um, for the rest of our week. Lord, thank you that you have called us your children. Lord, if there's... um, people here that are still on the run, Lord, I pray that you would convict them um, by your spirit of how they are running away from you as prodigals. Maybe there's still certain lanes in our hearts that are on the run. And, But Lord, I'm also grateful to you for the way that you um, awaken us. You wake us up from the pigsty and you bring us back. And for those that look around, it doesn't seem right that you would accept us back, but you do. And the only reason that you do, Lord, is because of your son, Jesus. So we praise him now for that, that gift to be brought near to um, this household, such a good household filled with kindness. And we get to live in it, not as simply servants, but as children. Praise you for that, God. 
pray this in Jesus' name.